Esperalis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Little Beetlejuice theme to lead us into what is the extension of Arizona Sports Saturday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That is so fun to say nowadays. Steve Zinsmeister, Mitch Veraldis, Trevor Henry behind the glass. We've got you. We've got you for the final hour, or one more hour, I should say. ASU football is going to be starting their pregame coverage at two. So Steve and I politely sat down in the boss's office and we said, "Hey, we know how much you love hearing local stuff leading up to local stuff. So uh, why don't you give us a little more time on this Saturday?" And that's what we got. We got a little more time on this Saturday. Yeah, and we're waiting now patiently on uh, the latest transactions that happen on Saturday afternoons leading into the NFL weekend. Um, so we could find out here momentarily if the Cardinals are going to do anything with their roster leading into tomorrow's game. Uh, so we'll have that for you as soon as we receive it. Yeah, like there's a lot of NFL teams, that specifically Adam Schefter is just tweeting out information about other teams and other players. This is... Usually what we learn from today is of the guys that are injured or considered questionable, who is now less likely to play as a result. So we're keeping an eye out for a few positions. DJ Humphreys, the starting left tackle, is questionable. So we're watching out for offensive line. Matt Praters, the kicker. They already elevated Rodrigo Blankenship from the practice squad to the active roster. Or I should say they signed him to the active roster. So they have two kickers on the roster. I don't think we have to watch closely that one anymore. And then running back Daryl Williams is questionable. James Conner's out. Eno Benjamin and Keontae Ingram will probably get their regular reps. So maybe we won't see much with running back, but I think it's highly likely we'll see something with offensive line. Yeah, they're going to have to shift some pieces around. Steve Keim talked glowingly of Billy Price, uh, who they they plucked from obscurity, essentially, in the middle of the season. So it kind of starts to look like, it, you know, with Rodney Hudson gone, that they might go Billy Price at center, which is interesting. Here's another guy we haven't talked about yet. Cody Ford, who they acquired from the Buffalo Bills leading into the season. I believe it was during that... Uh, that joint practice week they had with Tennessee before their preseason game against the Titans. And we haven't seen him yet. Hasn't made his Cardinals debut. He he got traded over and then immediately was injured. And we're thinking, oh, okay, so then why did you trade for him? But he's got really good rapport with Kyler, both of them being Oklahoma teammates. And that should be a bonus, given that Justin Pugh is out for the year. Max Garcia is out for this game. And then you mentioned Hudson. So there's a chance that you see Price at center. There's a chance that you get your first look at Cody Ford on the interior of the line. And I imagine Sean Harlow's going to get his reps. Kelvin Beecham is healthy, so we'll be good there. But um, the offensive line is, uh, once again, a massive question mark heading into Sunday. Yeah, it's one of the reasons that with the trade deadline looming, if you're going to make another move, you can argue either way, whether the Cardinals should add players or sell players off, depending, maybe even depending on tomorrow's game and how it goes. Um, But if you're going to add a player on offense, it doesn't make sense to add a quarterback, of course. It doesn't make sense to add a running back because you do have a bunch of them. It's just that James Conner and Daryl Williams have been injured. It doesn't make much sense to add a receiver because, I mean, you're already probably looking at A.J. Green having a limited role going forward. And if and when Hollywood Brown comes back, you certainly have more than you need. Uh, it doesn't make sense to add a tight end. They're they're one of the more stacked tight end rooms in all of 
football. So offensive line naturally would be the spot on offense if you wanted to add a player. I threw out the name earlier. Cameron Irving is a guy in Carolina if you're up for making another trade with the Panthers. They already got Robbie Anderson from them. But something like that would be reasonable. A late round draft pick for a guy who can be kind of like Cody Ford and be a backup at multiple positions. Somebody who can be a swing guard center or even a tackle. I think that would make a lot of sense heading into the trade deadline on Tuesday. Well, so the Cardinals just tweeted out, it's it's nothing of like breaking news sounder worthy, so no worries here, Trev. Um, but they've elevated two guys, defensive lineman Antoine Woods and offensive lineman Badara Traor. I, I hope I pronounced that right. I apologize, Badara. So again, defensive lineman Antoine Woods and offensive lineman Badara Traor. So Woods makes sense because Gardeck is going to be out, and they don't know how long Gardeck is going to be out. And you imagine then MyJ Sanders is going to be active that game, so he's probably there as an insurance policy, uh, specifically to Antoine Woods. And then as far as Treor, he probably just adds to the O-line depth that is lingering with Max Garcia, Rodney Hudson out, and then questionable DJ Humphreys. Yeah, so Darren Urban at uh, azcardinals.com talks specifically about Woods being brought up um, and that that would help fill a void at nose tackle left by Richard Lawrence going to the IR. So That's right. Um, yeah, that I, I think those are small moves, but at the same time, they do kind of speak to some of the holes that you're going to need to fill in the next couple of weeks. The Cardinals, fortunately, are coming off of a long break because Extended they had break, a Thursday yeah. night game against the Saints a week and a half ago. Uh, but you don't have much of an advantage in that way because the Vikings are coming off of their own bye week. So they've had just as much time, if not more. And so you're trying to get healthy at this point in the season. It's like we talked about with Hollywood Brown earlier or uh, Hopkins coming back. It doesn't mean what it was supposed to. It was supposed to mean that the Cardinals are going to get this jolt, this boost of offense midway through the season. Right. And that missing him for a third of the season was going to be okay because of what he provides extra in the second third and then the third third of the season. But now we're left thinking he's just replacing Hollywood Brown for the time being. Well, so here's what else. If you remember back to the trade when they got Hollywood Brown at the um, at the draft, we're thinking, oh, they just added that to Hopkins? And then as it turned out, it was, no, they're adding him because they won't have Hopkins. And you're right. thinking, oh, so that kind of... Brings the lets the air out of the room a little bit, but you can't you can't help as a Cardinals fan, but think about what this team would be at full strength if James Conner wasn't out and was running like he was last season when he scored a bunch of touchdowns. If DeAndre Hopkins hadn't been suspended, or or now that he's back and he's fully healthy, what would that look like as a wide receiver core? if you had him and Brown at the same time, and that was what was supposed to be given to us at this point in the season. What would it be like if the offensive line was fully healthy and Rodney Hudson hadn't gone through the dramatics of the offseason where is he a Cardinal, is he not a Cardinal? And now he's injured for a couple of weeks and you're having to rely on guys like Sean Harlow and now Billy Price. It's just not ideal. I realize every team goes through injuries. That's nothing new. But when the Cardinals were kind of building this roster on a promise that Hopkins would be back, they eventually got to that promise and other guys were missing. And it's just really disappointing. You mentioned Hudson and the drama that was this offseason. And I want to play really quickly Steve Kimes' answer 
to the question that Burns and Gamble posed to him yesterday about whether or not Hudson is just going to be this in and out guy. Like, is he fully committed? Like, is the injury just going to call him out for good? Like, what's going to happen? Here's what Steve Kime said yesterday. I'm really not sure. I, um, you know, obviously not having a, uh, a background in, in the medical field. I, I know that he's just banged up and, and, and the knee is bothering him. But, you know, maybe the time off and the rest uh, sometimes helps some of those guys. So hopefully that's the state he'll be in moving forward is a guy who's had some time off and can be rejuvenated. I mean, I kind of hope that's all it is because we've seen how valuable he is, not just to the offensive line and the team, but to Kyler. I mean, there was the one bad snap against Carolina that was Hudson's fault but outside of that he's like the steady rock in the middle of that line that helps not just everybody that's next to him but everybody that's behind him too when they set up on offense without him it it raises quite a few questions because if you consider and Gambo has brought this up multiple times if you consider where they were on draft night 21st I believe overall in the first round Tyler Linderbaum, the center, who's now a rookie with the Ravens, was available. And Gambo has said multiple times that if if they had held on to that draft pick, they would have taken Tyler Linderbaum. So you have a younger center, but a really, really good center out of Iowa. And right now, we're just kind of playing like with puzzle pieces, well, and they don't fit. Let's go down that road for a second. If you do end up taking him and not getting Hollywood Brown, that means you're receiver core for the first six games of the season was what? A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, Antoine Wesley wasn't available. Not really. No, he was hurt. So, I mean, like, were you really going to risk that? I, I, I at least understand why the trade was made but instead Greg of Dorch going down this road. Greg Dorch looks pretty good, respectfully. Yeah, Greg, Greg Dorch has been pretty good. He's actually one of the best receivers in the league when it comes to getting open, which is yeah. shocking when you see those numbers from Pro Football Focus. And the fact that they still aren't utilizing him all that much is stunning to me. But... Yeah, I mean, if you go down that road, sure, you solve one problem, but you cause another. And would they have even had the opportunity to play him behind Rodney Hudson, who still would have been on the roster? So, I I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at it in hindsight because the offense hasn't looked good, even with all these pieces that Steve Kime has put together for the offense and for Kyler Murray. Having a good offensive line is pretty important. Drafting offensive linemen has not gone well for Steve Kime. Not DJ for, Humphreys, not for Steve Kine, but like Linderbaum is one of those can't miss. Yeah, DJ Humphreys has worked out in the long run. I think he's probably in the mid tier of left tackles in the NFL. He's not bad, but name me another offensive lineman that the Cardinals drafted under Steve Kime that's really worked out. I mean, I can't really think of many. Well, Josh you, Jones remains to be seen. If you want to say in terms of what it became, Jonathan Cooper, but he didn't really yeah, do anything for them as a player. He got traded and got them Chandler Jones. I don't know. You the second-round pick got them Chandler Jones. You could you could look at it all sorts of ways. So, again, to close uh, on this segment, a couple of practice squad elevations is all it is for the Cardinals today. Defensive lineman Antoine Woods and then offensive lineman Badara Treor were both elevated today. With those injuries that we just talked about with the Cardinals, should they, could they make another trade before Tuesday's trade deadline? We're getting into that next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Veraldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Hey, thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. Halloween weekend. A little spooky going on in here. I don't like Halloween being on a Monday. I don't either. I don't like that. 
I'm not sure why. Uh, thanks for spending part of your Saturday here with us. We're on not going to go Sports further Saturday. on that. We're just going to tell you no. we don't like Halloween on a Monday. No, I had no intention of actually like clarifying why I don't <laughs> like Halloween being on a Monday, but I just don't. It deserves to be on its own weekend. One quick tangent on this. I saw somebody, I think it was a tweet, Halloween should just be the final Saturday of October. Yeah, that's a petition that goes around annually. But also, like. we're thinking about it from the perspective of not a bunch of people that go around asking uh, strangers for candy yeah. at night anymore. We don't not, do that anymore. I'm also not a candy guy. At least I don't think we don't do that anymore. Cardinals injury report for tomorrow's game against the Vikings. Max Garcia, out. Dennis Gardeck, out. Rodney Hudson, out. Christian Matthew, out. And James Conner, out. What does that mean for the Cardinals? Well, that means that their offensive line will be slightly hindered, especially on the interior. Uh, there's other guys, by the way, that are on this report. Kelvin Beecham is listed as unspecified illness that looks like this week. It uh, sounds like he's going to play. I least. think he's playing. Uh, DJ Humphreys is on here with a back injury. He did not practice until Friday. He's questionable. That one's a little bit worrisome. Cody Ford is listed with an ankle injury, but... He had a full participation in uh, Friday's practice. So the offensive line, a lot of questions there. On top of that, you've got a lot of defensive backs on this list. You've got a couple of running backs on this list. It's a full injury report going into this game. It's full. Also, in comparison to the uh, Vikings injury report, do you want me to read it off to you? Please do. (laughs) That's it? There's nothing nothing on the injury report? I, I... I think in fairness to them, they have one guy that's listed as questionable. Yeah, Jonathan Bullard was added to the injury report Friday. He didn't practice. He's listed as questionable. But for the whole week, there are two names on this Vikings injury report. And Jalen Naylor was taken off on Friday after being a full participant Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah. And the joke was, oh, did they just run out of things for the guy to do? So they're like, hey, just put this person's name on here. He had an injury or something. The Vikings have two guys on their injury report. Two. Hold on. The Cardinals have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten more. Uh, Fifteen people on the injury report. Seems like one 15. outweighs the other. I don't know about you. You said the Vikings had two injuries? Two. Two. And one of them was a full participant all week long in practice, so he's going to play. And he's a wide receiver that plays on special teams. And the other one is Jonathan Bullard, who has an illness. Are we on, like, week six or seven? Eight. But even so, like, we're on week eight. And the That's Cardinals, like unheard of. Exactly. The Cardinals have 15 people on their injury report, and the Vikings have two. Okay, oh, so let's God. let's dive into the, uh, the other topic at hand. Yes. The trade deadline is Tuesday. The Cardinals have already made one trade. Robbie Anderson they acquired from Carolina, which seemingly was tanking, but now their division now is wide open. they're good. Yeah, I, well, I don't know if they're good, but their division's wide open, so there's an opportunity there right. to be had. Right. Um, but nonetheless, they traded Christian McCaffrey. They traded Robbie Anderson to the Cardinals. I don't know that the Cardinals are necessarily in a great position to acquire a big name, uh, to give up draft capital to do such. However... You've got a decision to make before Tuesday. Are there names around the league that you're interested in adding, whether it's to this offense, which you've already put so much money and draft capital into, mm-hmm. or the defense, which has played much better than their salaries, at least, project them to? Are the Cardinals going to make any deals before Tuesday? Do you want just like a base prediction? <laughs> yeah, I'd love that. Oh, okay. Um, 
You don't have to give me a name, but like, do you think it'll happen or not? Okay, I'll I'll come at it as a pessimist. I'm going to say no, and it's because well, correction. I'm going to say yes, but it's because they're going to lose to the Vikings on Sunday, and the move they're going to make is probably revolving around AJ Green. So it's more selling than buying. I think it'll be a sell rather than a buy. Yes. So yes, they will be active on the deadline, but I don't think for the reason that they want to be active. See, the Robbie Anderson acquisition and also the Hollywood Brown acquisition before the season began were to replace injured players. That's or all suspended like. players. Yeah. I mean, Brown essentially came in because Hopkins was suspended. They knew that already ahead of time. Right. So you had to fill that void. Now Robbie Anderson comes in because, well, Hollywood Brown is now out. And so, ironically, I guess, you're filling the same void that you filled earlier. And Hopkins is back now. So I guess the question is, were the Cardinals in position to make this trade? I don't know if they were or not. But now that they've got 15 guys on the injury report, six of which are listed as out for this game and could potentially miss more than just this game, it's possible, do they have other voids that need to be filled? Offensive line sure looks like one that might be might be a good idea to go get somebody who can play a couple different positions. Well, you have to think about both sides of this, too. Consider the Hollywood Brown trade. They traded away their first rounder, and I believe they got back a third rounder as well, if I'm not mistaken. But they traded away their first round pick. So it was very clear that Hollywood Brown was not only a we're trying to win now move, but it's an investment move. You don't just give away a first round pick if you're not planning on keeping him. Bradley Chubb is a name that you and I have brought up. The edge rusher for the for the Broncos. For the Broncos. Sorry, I was just seeing an update on Aiton on Twitter uh, from Gerald Bourget. Aiton is out for tomorrow. Will be reevaluated in one week. Our own Kellen Olson had the same. Okay, left ankle sprain. We can out. dive into that here in a little bit. I think that's that's yeah, something that we'll needs do that to be... next. I'm sorry that caught my attention away. No, but, that's good. That's good. So Bradley Chubb for the Broncos. He's on the final year of his deal. He will become an unrestricted free agent after this. So the question is, because he's a talent, he was a number five overall pick in his draft class. He is the leading sack getter for the Broncos, and he continues to show that he's good off the edge. So the thing is, is like that's an obvious need for the Cardinals as a new edge rusher. Steve Kime said as much. Exactly. But how much are you willing to give up for a guy if you only end up keeping him for 10 weeks? Yeah, so I that read... seems risky if you don't plan on keeping him. I read something uh, this week, a rumor about Chubb, that it would take possibly two high draft picks, like a second and a third, or, or maybe even a first and a second, and you get a third back or something like that. Um, are they willing to go that route for a guy like Chubb? Well, on the one hand, it's not like Steve Kimes draft picks are hitting all the time. So all some of them. his best moves as GM have been trading high draft picks and players and combining the two and getting stars back. Second round pick plus Jonathan Cooper gets you Chandler Jones. Uh, I believe it was a second round pick and David Johnson gets you De- DeAndre Hopkins. Yep. And I think they got another pick back or something like but that. But like, what's the big difference is they gave Chandler Jones a second contract. Yep. They gave DeAndre Hopkins a second contract. Yes. They're more than likely to give Hollywood Brown a second contract. Are they going to do that with Cody Ford? Who knows? Are they going to do that with Robbie Anderson? Who knows? Would they give more to Bradley Chubb? I feel like you would have to. You would have to if you're making you that kind of move. You wouldn't acquire that kind of a talent and then just let him ride off after the year. Yeah, that's that, something you do with like a vet. That's what the Rams did with Von Miller. Were the Rams about to drop what the Bills dropped on him? Now, granted, it worked very much in the Bills' favor, paying Von Miller all that money. But... The Rams made a win-now move, but they didn't make a full long-term move with him. The hard part about all this, too, is 
as the Cardinals, you're you're in no position to say you don't need Bradley Chubb. Like that, you're not above that. Any team could but, use him right now, of course. But at the same time, Steve Kime talked about it this week. Is that while he would be a great edge rusher, like any edge rusher would be a plus for this team. But at the same time, they're starting some new players. They're adding Cam Thomas into the mix. They've got MyJ Sanders, and both of those guys they spent third round picks on this season. Would you like me to play the cut? I would love that. Okay. I honestly think, um, you know, a number of places uh, defensively, edge rusher, uh, corner depth, uh, interior defensive lineman. Um, and then, you know, you look at the offensive line as, as banged up as we are, if there were opportunities to get to improve. But uh, the thing that I'll say is, is, is a lot of those guys have really picked up their game. Um, as I mentioned, Billy Price and, and uh, Will Hernandez. And then defensively, you know, two of those young kids, Cam Thomas and my Jay Sanders, I think, are really coming on, and they're going to have way more opportunities moving forward, and I think that they've earned it. So I wonder if Steve Kime looks at this opportunity as, well, do we really need to do that? Yeah, and again, it's hard to say that a Cardinals, uh, this Cardinals team that's in the position they are record-wise, that they don't need to make a big trade. Like, of course, that's not the case, but at the same time, I think what he's trying to get at there is... Maybe you'll see them make an acquisition for a depth play. Somebody who's not necessarily a starter, but can add to the cornerback room. Which, by the way, their corners, their back end has been really good against primary receivers. They've held really good, talented guys. DK Metcalf didn't have that great of a game. DJ Moore didn't have that great of a game. They've held good receivers to not a lot of yards or touchdowns this season. Right. So... Credit where credit is due. Could you use a corner? Sure you could. 100%. But they've played well. Could you use a pass rusher? Sure you could. But they're mixing in some really good guys that they drafted at pretty high rounds. So there's not really a position other than offensive line because of the injuries that I can tell where they could really use a big acquisition. Coming up next, we got our update regarding Sun Center DeAndre Ayton. We'll tell you what we know next on Arizona Sports Saturday. And Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mitch Varelvis and Steve Zinsmeister back here with you on this Arizona Sports Saturday. Working a little extra time today. We're leading things up to the Sun Devil Football Tailgate Show where Jeff Munn will get ready to take you through all of the top headlines around this ASU football team. After their weekend against Stanford, and now they've got Colorado coming up here in a few hours. We got word on DeAndre Ayton. Steve, you have the exact verbiage in front of you from our own Kellen Olson. Yeah, Kellen Olson at ArizonaSports.com reporting that DeAndre Ayton is out for tomorrow's uh, Suns game against the Rockets. And his left ankle sprain will be reevaluated in a week's time. So that, to me, says that, yes, out for this coming game, but possibly out for a couple of games, Mitch. And I'm not concerned. And we've had this conversation a few times already that I am no longer concerned about, oh, if a guy goes down, are the Suns going to be able to handle it? Uh, yes, the answer is yes. And Bismack Biombo, who got seven minutes in the opener and then hasn't played since, proved that very much last night and very well to the point. I think, too, and we're going to have this conversation in a bit, but it might change your opinion as to whether or not you'll need to make a trade. And, of course, we've got this January 15th deadline looming over Aiden's head. And, of course, an injury is not his fault. But we might be having a different conversation about that particular date 
Because maybe we feel better about this Suns team and we don't need to make any changes, yes. in our opinion. So for context, January 15th is the day in which DeAndre Ayton is tradable, uh, whether that's for Kevin Durant that we've been talking about for months or, or whatever. I know that that's going to be talked about in January, regardless of how good the Suns are. In fact, I asked our own uh, Kevin Zimmerman earlier, who is from the Empire of the Suns podcast, and he knows everything Suns. We were talking about, is there any potential record? I mean, could the Suns go undefeated between now and January 15th? And is there any scenario where we're not talking about the potential trade for Kevin Durant? Right. And he actually said pretty much what I was thinking, which is that it's less about the Suns record and more about the Brooklyn Nets. You know, are they just fumbling and, and, and falling apart? And if they are, then maybe they're looking to move off of a Kevin Durant, who might be even less satisfied with his situation there. Kyrie Irving, that's always a volatile situation. Ben Simmons forgot how to play basketball and hasn't really played in, in a couple of years, and it sure looks like it when he's on the court. So to answer the question, I, I'm not trading DeAndre Ayton. I don't think you need to, based on last regular season, the postseason that we just saw, and then the early start that the Suns have. I realize he's going to miss a couple games here, and we can talk all we want about Biombo and Landale and, and how they're going to fit in swimmingly, but the trade discussion is not going to go away no. just because of the magnitude of the player that could potentially be coming to the Valley. That is if it remains to be for Kevin Durant. What if it ends up being a different kind of trade? Like, are we going to have the same conversation if... and? I'm, I'm going to say this right now. I am very much trying not to speak this into existence, even though I'm about to say what I'm about to say. What if the Lakers come calling? And they're willing to offer you a first round, one of their first round picks that are so highly coveted upcoming. And the reason being is you would take Russell Westbrook off their hands. No. There's not a chance. Not even a conversation. Nope. Not a snowball's chance in hell that I'm doing that. I have no desire for Russell Westbrook, and no NBA GM should. I think that, what has he ever accomplished? What have they ever done with Russell Westbrook, no matter where he's been? I, I realized for a time, Russell Westbrook was arguably the Oscar Robertson of the NBA. He was averaging a triple-double for a couple of years there. That's unheard of. He's a talented basketball player. I'm not taking that away from him. But what have they ever accomplished with that? He's not a traditional point guard, and I know he wouldn't be asked to be one with the Suns, but the, the fit is just atrocious. You've got Chris Paul, who's a traditional point guard, who we can have the discussion, too. He went one for seven last night. He, is he regressing? Statistically, yeah, I guess you could make that argument, but also I think they're probably going to try to hold him back a little bit for another postseason run as he gets a little bit older. It's just also coming off one of his best games against one of the really best teams, the Golden State Warriors. So it's a little confusing to see him struggle. And Kevin mentioned it, too, in our conversation earlier. Like, his shot chart. It's those little elbow jumpers that he's so good at. One for seven? Yeah, I'm, I'm confident that Chris Paul will figure his stuff out. Like, I'm not worried about Chris Paul at this point. Especially when you've got guys like Mikel Bridges last night went off for 27 points. Yeah. He's certainly capable of doing that. He's their fourth leading scorer in last year's regular season and playoffs. So he's not their number one option. He's not their number two option. He's not even the number three option, typically. But I think if anything, I mean, forget about the Russell Westbrook thing for a second. I would love to. I apologize for breaking (laughs) it Yeah, I know. Why would you do that? I don't know. Uh, They need shooting. They need to add shooting, if anything. And I think that's probably the case for most teams in the NBA that yeah. are that are contenders. You look for shooting and you look for defense, especially on the wings. But in particular with Jay Crowder not being a part of this team right now and potentially getting traded down the road, 
I think the number one thing you need to add is exactly what you're giving away, which is a wing defender who can shoot the three. It would be ideal if that was Jay Crowder that we were talking about, but it just appears that that's not an amicable Even if thing. he goes one of eight from three? I don't want a guy who goes one for eight regularly, but I want a guy who can well, take those shots well, regularly. I'll tell yeah. you what, in the playoffs, it kind of felt like that with Jay Crowder. It felt that way with a lot of guys on the Suns. That's true. Landry Shamit wasn't knocking down threes. Campaign, he couldn't hit a boat, uh, hit a boat, hit a water if he fell out of the boat. He couldn't hit the boat either. He couldn't hit the boat either. So my my point is, if you're going to make a trade later in the season, and I know that this is so far down the road, but once January comes around, these things are going to heat up again. Right. Because of what we spent the entire offseason talking about, which was Kevin Durant. And if the Nets are in shambles, which, I mean, is always a possibility, this is going to get talked about regardless of the Suns' record. I think it cools, though. Especially right now. And especially since, or because, I should say, that we're out of this... Do Monty and Aiton have a problem with one another? Are they still mad at one another? What's going on here between Monty and Aiton? Are they rifting? The Monty says there's nothing there. Aiton says I don't have to talk to him. I could just show him, blah, blah, blah. It just doesn't feel like there was anything there to begin with as far as an argument's concerned. They got mad at each other after a game, and now we're here later. It happens they didn't talk all offseason. Was that kind of weird to hear? Yes. Is it weird to... Think about now that they're four and one and they're playing like the Suns? Not really. I don't have any reason to believe that they would be inclined to trade him anymore either. There was there was like the weirdness with how they handled the contract situation to begin with of oh, we're gonna save ourselves the year and save ourselves the money, and if he can get the max, then great. And then they, you know, screwed over the Indiana Pacers, to put it politely. I just don't for I just don't foresee a trade anymore. Not January fifteenth and not in any of the remaining years of his current deal. I think he's a son, period. Now here's the other thing. If for some reason they're without Aiton for let's say a handful of games, four or five games, which is possible with this uh, yeah. sprained ankle. He's I mean, gonna at least miss week. tomorrow, yeah. yeah. And they're gonna reevaluate in a week according to Kellen Olson, so maybe he misses a handful of games, right? Let's say five. If they play really, really well in those five games, then what are fans going to deduce for themselves? They're going to say, okay, this Suns team does not need DeAndre Ayton. I mean, I look at last season. Without Ayton in the regular season, 18-6. and six. You win three quarters of your games without DeAndre Ayton last season. I'm not saying that they don't need him. No, I mean, they were just That's as good just, with him, too. Those are just the numbers. Yeah, they were 46-12 and 12 with him, so they were really good that way, too. My point is simply, what if we get a taste of this team without DeAndre Ayton, and Bismack Biombo plays out of his mind like he did at times last season. And Jock Landale plays really, really well in his reserve role. Fans are going to take a look at this and they're going to say, you know what? Why not move on from the guy and go and get a huge name if it's still possible, if it is still plausible to get Kevin Durant in return for DeAndre Ayton? But that feels like the only acceptable answer now. Well, I'm not nothing, trading him for Trump change. That's what I mean. It's like nothing less than Durant. I don't want to trade a guy away because, oh, Bismack Biombo and Jock Landell are just fine. With the utmost respect to those two individuals because they play basketball better than I do and they get paid to do it. I'm not just going to trade away DeAndre Ayton because I've got two guys who can do the exact same thing. That's, that is not a winning strategy. You have to keep him unless you are absolutely 100% blown away. Can I be honest? I don't know if Kevin Durant's even that answer anymore. 
He's still doing the scoring. He's still doing, you know, all the things that Kevin Durant's really, really good at. But do you really want the other stuff that comes with a Kevin Durant on your basketball team that you've worked so hard to build up this culture? I don't know. It doesn't feel like a necessity anymore to try and chase Durant. I think a lot of people would tell you, yes, they would put up with it and that the culture exists without DeAndre Ayton and that the culture still exists with Kevin Durant. Now, forget about Durant for a second. Talk about the guys that will be filling in for DeAndre Ayton in his absence. We talked about Biombo had a great game uh, of 11 points, 13 rebounds, including four offensive boards in last night's game. Played out of his mind. Really, the only argument against him at this point is that he's fouling a lot for his amount of minutes that he's been playing. He's averaging eight fouls per 36 minutes, and you only get six of them a game. So right. that's going to have to come down, obviously, if he's going to play significant minutes. Jock Landale, eight points last night, four for nine. Eh, nothing special to write home about. I wish he would stop taking threes. He was 0 for 4 last night. Um, <laughs> but really, if those are the two things that I'm complaining about, one guy fouls too much and the other guy shoots too many threes, they do everything else well. These are your top two rim protectors. That's including DeAndre Ayton, by the way. Right. Bismack Biombo's scoring at an effective rate. Am I saying that he's a better offensive player than Ayton? Of course not. No. Ayton has a developed offensive game that's beyond these two players. They're going to be fine with these two guys, the same way that they were fine at times last season with JaVale McGee as their primary center. But I just want fans to not forget the value of DeAndre Ayton while he's gone because this team could go 5-0 and without him. And I think a lot of people are going to start wondering, oh, what could it be like without Aiton? It's like, we don't need to keep him anymore. But again, to your point, don't go fall down that well. I'm not going to fall down that well. It's hole. a very steep well. You're going to hurt your head when you get all the way to the bottom. You don't want to fall on that. DeAndre Aiton is better than Bismack Biombo. DeAndre Aiton is better than Jock Landale. The stats will come just because they're filling the exact same role. It doesn't necessarily mean because they're that good. Just keep that in mind. DeAndre Ayton's more valuable than you think. Coming up next, we'll get you caught up on some of the stories that flew under the radar this week. We call it footnotes here on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mitch and Steve present footnotes on Arizona Sports Saturday. Yeah, these are some of the stories that flew under the radar this week or maybe that you haven't seen yet. We call it footnotes at the end of the show. Let's start with the semi-breaking news that we just kind of hammered home last segment. Uh, Kellen Olson at ArizonaSports.com reporting DeAndre Ayton with that ankle sprain will miss tomorrow's game and he'll have that ankle reevaluated in a week's time. Kind of a bummer, but we also... In a sense, we saw this coming, right? Like, Aiton was going to be out at least the one game, reevaluation in a week. And like we've said numerous times, we feel comfortable, right? I don't want to put words in your mouth. I apologize. I feel comfortable with just Landale <laughs> and Biombo filling in. And the wild card, Dario Scharch still hasn't played any minutes yet. Will he get any? I don't know. We'll see. Did you notice this week, the, the, this story did not fly under the radar for full disclosure, but it's one of the more talked about even outside of sports, and that is the situation Tom Brady is in. The Buccaneers yeah. lose a game that they really shouldn't have. They've struggled mightily down the stretch uh, so far this season. And now it's all coming out that his divorce and his marriage may be ending and all these things, right? And things they, are just going I mean, wrong everywhere. They release statements. They are going through the divorce right. proceedings. It's kind of sad. Tom Brady's downfall, 2022. I, I, 
Part of me wonders if he wasn't as great of a player, could that have saved his personal life and his marriage? You know what I mean? I, I mean, I guess. Because I, I feel like you get to age 35, right? Any player, not just Tom Brady. And you start right. to contemplate what comes next. And family is very important to most players, right? And he got to the age 35, and they probably looked at each other and, and said, I think we could, you know, we could do this, right? And he goes, no, I got another five years of me. <laughs> then he gets to age 40, and he goes, no, nah, I got another five years of me. And now he's nearing 45 or whatever he is, and he can now still play. Now I got play. another five years of me. Well, I'm, I don't think that well, he does. Also, can he still play? He hasn't looked that good. They've I think he can still play. Now. His bat is still better than most players' average, right? Touche. I'm not trying to comment on a guy's personal life and like his no. marriage. That's really not the important headline here. It's just, to me, it feels like we're seeing the end of the Tom Brady era in the NFL. I, it, look, we are, quite frankly. And you think about all the greats in any sport. How do you remember Michael Jordan? Do you remember him for winning six titles in the 90s? Or do you remember him for kind of fizzing out with the Wizards? Oh, it's definitely the best. How do you remember Albert Pujols? Are you going to remember him for tearing up baseball for years with the Cardinals? Or are you going to remember him for always being hurt with the LA Angels? I'm going to remember the machine. Are you going to remember Miguel Cabrera for how great he was when he was traded from Florida to Detroit? Or are you going to remember Miguel Cabrera right now? I'm going to remember Miguel Cabrera from Marlin. So, like, are you going to remember? In a weird way. Are you going to remember Tom Brady, the guy that won more rings than any football team has ever won? Or are you going to remember Tom Brady as he is right now, 45-year-old hobbled and going through a divorce? Yeah, no, like it's, it it's the rings, obviously. It sucks, but this is a reality he could have avoided publicly, most of it at least. Whether or not they get divorced still if he doesn't come back is, who knows? You brought up that idea, like maybe they still get divorced regardless of if he stays retired or not. Yeah, I do think that a lot of people have kind of built this narrative that because he chose football and to come back out of retirement that that ruined the marriage. I think there's also an equal chance that their marriage was bad and that that's part of the reason that he decided to go back to football because right. that's what he had. You don't just Well, what do I have if I don't have my wife and I don't have my family then I if I don't have football. You don't just turn around 2 months later and you're like, "Oh, Oh, okay. Now, you and I can both acknowledge it's not like Tom Brady has nothing. He's got children that he loves. He's gonna. They're still going to be able to co-parent. He's got money. He's got all the money in the world. He's got businesses he could pay attention to. He's got a future in broadcasting. Yeah, he's, so he's fine. To say he has nothing is just a fallacy. But at the same time, could the marriage have led to part of the reason that he decided to come back? Who knows? Absolutely. Who knows? What else you got? The Coyotes debut at Mullet Arena. Oh, it was certainly a party in the back there last night, so I heard... <laughs> Sorry, that was How long have you been holding on to it that It went one? to overtime. They ended up losing to the Winnipeg Jets in overtime. So a, a tightly contested game. And our Jesse Morrison wrote a story about it last night. He was there. A rather intimate environment for a hockey game. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, what, 5,000 seats in well, the stadium? I, I mean, do you use that to your advantage? Do you, If you're the Coyotes, do you just continue to play this off as like, hey, if you want to be up close to the action... And be at a be at a stadium with five thousand of your closest friends, as opposed to stuck in the nosebleeds with eighteen to twenty. Like, what environment would you rather be in? And the, and the argument you can make is like, oh well, it's going to cost more. Well, yeah, you'd be paying that price to sit in that seat anyway, in a regular setting. 
So if like if you're the Coyotes, do you like ham this up? Do you make this your thing? It just feels like anything short of a sellout is a disappointment. Oh, 100% in a stadium like well, that. Let's see how they do in these upcoming home games. The the home opener is always a banger. The others will we'll see. I read this today. I'm going to run this by you. Uh-oh. Reportedly, the Red Sox will not offer a contract extension to J.D. Martinez, who, according to John Heyman, he listed a possible match with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Well, that's weird. They acquired him before. I feel like we that know that very guy. well. This, you know what this feels like? This feels like a hindsight move. As in, I'll use the example. James Harden, when he got traded to Houston out of Oklahoma City. If Oklahoma City had bit the bullet and paid, and then you would have had the massive salaries cap spike with the new media rights deal. Like, that's a hindsight move. Like, if the Thunder had paid James Harden. J.D. Martinez re-signing with the Diamondbacks, it could have been a hindsight move because look where we are five years later. There's a designated hitter in the National League. You could have had him in the lineup every day. Like... I, I feel like it's too late to make that make, make that attempt. See, I disagree. I think this could be an interesting fit. Um, not quite in the way that it was in, what was that, 2017 when they acquired him? Yeah. Was. I mean, that was one of the best second halves of a season we've ever seen from a Diamondbacks player. Or really for around really the league. any baseball player. Right. And so I'm not saying he's on that level anymore. He's certainly not. Otherwise, the Red Sox would be considering bringing him back. But the Diamondbacks do need a right-handed hitter, considering how heavily left-handed their outfield is. And I'm not even saying you put J.D. Martinez in the outfield. He's probably a DH going forward. But that's just it. It's like if you take somebody out of that outfield, you would assume that you put him into the outfield and let somebody else still hit. Yeah, but you know Tori Lovello, man. He rotates guys so frequently. There's no set lineups with the Arizona Diamondbacks. So I think that this could be an interesting pairing. Now, I like Stone Garrett who is a young right-handed hitter uh, that they are trying to weave into this outfield and into the lineup. The experiment with Jordan Luplo didn't work. He's a guy who historically crushes lefties. He didn't hit anybody this Who's season. Who's been a veteran acquisition that has worked? A veteran acquisition that worked. Like recently? Yeah. I'm feeling kind of burnt by Madison Bumgarner, not going to lie. Yeah, Mark Melanson and burnt. Ian Kennedy. Burnt. Yeah. Not, like even in the field, there's no veterans in the field. Like Cattell Marte, he's been here already. Carson Kelly, been here already. All of these outfielders, they're guys that like just got called up this year. I just think the familiarity with Martinez is great. Uh, he already knows what it's like to be here, so there's no. He doesn't have to wonder what it's going to be like to play for the Dimex. He knows. But then you're going to be paying him like a DH, right? Maybe. You're not going to be yeah. paying him to be on the field. What does that cost you, though? I mean, he's not going to cost you the $25 million a year that he was going to get when he went to the Red Sox. He's much less than that, but he's also going to be one of the better hitters in he's your He's also lineup. a Boris client. Let's keep that in mind. Yeah, that's fair. And he he's going to be one of the it. most coveted DHs. That's He might fight for it. Yeah, that's fair. The NFL trade deadline is Tuesday. There are Ooh, a couple boy. of different teams that if they lose this week, I'm thinking Broncos, they're playing the Jaguars. The Browns play on Monday night. Uh, the Panthers certainly are sitting in a situation where they've already made some trades. Well, I don't know. They might win the division now. Uh, they could, with the way the Buccaneers are playing. Uh, do the Cardinals end up making a move at the trade deadline? A lot of that might be riding on how they play against the Vikings tomorrow. I think 100% rides on how they play against the Vikings. Are you really going to convince me that a 3-5 and five team should be acquiring like a top-tier pass rusher or a solid offensive lineman? I, I don't know. Do I, 
Or do I find it as a bold move by the organization to say, hey, no, we still believe in you and we're still in this. And then what do you know? It picks up the team for the second half. By the way, we haven't touched on this yet. We're a week and a half away from Hard Knocks in season. I forgot that that was even that happening. That, do you think that that motivates the team to do something? I don't think you get motivated by something like that. I mean, they've already been filming stuff, right? Yes. So the cameras are already around. So do you want to take the attention off of the negative and put it on something positive? As, I mean, you could keep that in mind if you want to. As a team, you'd love to do something great and put it on film, right? I mean, but you're already on TV every week when you play. It's not like you're not being watched but now already. You're hyper focused on. Yeah. Right? I can't imagine that being a huge motivating factor to play better. Let me put it this way. Do you think you would have known all the stuff that you know about the Broncos season this year if it wasn't for four primetime games out of seven? The primetime games help. It's a lot of exposure. There's no doubt about it. So now you're getting exposed twice a week. I'll bet you the Broncos wish they weren't being exposed so much. I do wish that, actually. Game two of the World Series will be between Zach Wheeler and Framber Valdez. Both of these guys have ERAs under two right now. It's anything like last night. It's an anything-can-happen kind of thing. Astros were up 5 nothing at one point, and they lost 6-5-10. and 10. It's amazing playoff baseball, what it does to a man. Phillies have a one-game advantage already in Houston in this World Series. Are you picking the Phillies to win this thing? Hmm. I'm going to go with, you know what? Screw it. I said it before the series. Phillies in five. Phillies in five? Phillies in five. I picked Astros in six, and I still feel okay about it. You know that. what it is? It was huge to get that win last night if you're Philly. The establishment game, right? You're on the road against arguably the best team in baseball this year. One, well, we and talked. You got the win. You were down five nothing, and you got the win. We talked earlier too about when you're a wild card team. Now that there's so many wild cards in baseball, that it really increases your chances nowadays of going further in the playoffs. And you're not having to play that one game play in, which is huge for a wild card team. So the Phillies, we've seen it before. Wild card teams can win the series. The Phillies absolutely could surprise the world. 87 wins in the regular season. They might just win the World Series. We'll have that on ESPN 620 as well. Hey, thanks so much for spending part of your weekend here with us. For Mitch Vareldis and Trevor Henry, I'm Steve Zinsmeister. Stay tuned. The Sun Devil Tailgate Show is on the way next on Arizona Sports.